What's up, OBR Film Breakdown listeners? Before we get to today's show, just a reminder about the $100 in free bets over at the number one sportsbook, FanDuel Sportsbook. Use the promo code OBR today to claim that $100 in free bets. Again, that's promo code OBR at FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, President Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio on 1-1-2023. Unique user identification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, the latest on the OBR Film Breakdown podcast. Welcome in to the OBR Film Breakdown, guys. It is your Monday, December 12th episode. This episode is obviously brought to you by FanDuel, our presenting sponsor. I'm Jake Burns, your host. We have Quincy Carrier with us here in just a moment as we are going to talk through the Browns' 23-10 to loss in Cincinnati, a game where uh, I think I was off by a touchdown. I thought it was going to be a 28-17 game where it felt like the Browns were a bit more in the game than the score indicated. And in this one, I think the Browns were a bit more in the game than 23-10 indicates. Nonetheless, a lot of issues to talk about in this one. Some bright spots, but some obvious issues that we need to go over. Quincy, welcome in, man. Thanks for joining us. And uh, give me your immediate takeaways from this one, man, as you as you sit here kind of recapping it. We're recording this Sunday evening, so we haven't really watched it again. Just your initial thoughts on this one. Yeah, this was an interesting game because we're in this weird place in the season where you can kind of say you can have playoff hopes, but they're really playoff dreams, right? Our, our fate was never in control of our own. We were never in control of our own destiny. So that wasn't really something that I factored in coming into this game. I really just wanted to see growth from Watson. I felt like I saw that. I also felt like he was, and this is a good sign, I guess. I felt like he was a bit limited by what they wanted and felt comfortable with him doing in offense. So I guess that means he's ready for more. But if that continues for weeks, and that's obviously a problem. Um, but I felt like when you watched him play, the stuff that we didn't worry about after week one, well, not week one, but his first game back, that still looked pretty good, right? The instinctual stuff, the playmaking, to be able to make those like crazy Watson plays. I mean, he made one of those crazy Watson plays in this game. Unfortunately, followed up with the interception. Um and then, you know, the accurate passing, he didn't really have any balls in the dirt. The mechanics looked fine today, um, from what I can see from the broadcast, at least. Um, and I know they pointed out in the broadcast there were a couple times where he missed the play. I feel like that just has more to do with he hasn't been in this offense before. So he's just going to miss some things, right? That's why you go back to the tape and why he shows things. Um, but all in all, I don't think this, this is one of those wins I mean, not wins. This is one of those losses that it didn't really hurt as much as some other losses throughout the season, but it also, you know, it wasn't one of those like, um, what do you call it? Like a moral victory by any stance. It just was kind of a loss. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. It was a game. I think this one boils down to expectations. We're probably, ironically, I think some people were more upset after the way the offense played last week and how the offense struggles, but you win. It sounds stupid, but 
I do think in this one, a lot of us, more than I had experienced this year, expected the Browns to lose because obviously most people thought both teams on a little different plane in terms of competition where they're looking to you know, be at in their quarterback growth process, a whole bunch of different elements. To your point, Deshaun plays fairly well. I think it's a it's a B game from him, a 26 of 42, 276, a touchdown interception. I thought to your point, which it kind of stinks, that you see that uh, type of play Watson can make somebody hanging on his lower half, still being able to drive a dig route ball in for a completion, special play only to come back the very next play and leave uh, an over route short and inside that a safety was able to make a play on it. That That's really the only turnover worthy play. I think that will be graded by the folks who grade quarterbacks over pro football focus thought he made a step in the right direction in this one. He looked a lot more confident, not that the offense was moving it uh, very well. We'll talk about large reasons why the offense wasn't moving it very well in this one. The Browns went for 344 on 70 plays a 4.9 average. That feels like more than what they were able to muster. And I think Quincy, I think we could probably agree that the issue here sits in the run game where Nick Chubb, 14 carries 34 yards, Kareem Hunt, four carries six yards. So between those two, you get 20 carries, sorry, 18 carries for 40 yards. Uh, you know, the Browns collectively run for, I think I see here 71 because Deshaun Watson goes for 33 on his own. You take out quarterback run game. You see this trend continuing. And I think is the elephant in the room right now of pretty poor run efforts since the bye. We're going to talk about some of the data surrounding that in a moment. But at this point, man, I know you got Deshaun and he's a huge part of everything you do. Obviously, he's going to be a driving factor moving forward. But the way they're constructed, the way they've committed assets to the run game, for them to be able to put this run product on the field for three straight weeks, which has been pretty bad, only one game with a positive running EPA since the bye, that's weeks 10 now through week 14. It's it's hindering everything the Browns want to be at this point, right? Like, I don't I don't know how they can proceed into the late this year and next year thinking they're going to be successful if they can't muster any sort of run game efficiency. Yeah, and, and on top of that, there's the penalties that go on top of it, right? Where you're you're constantly, you know, getting some kind of penalty to get you behind the sticks, and then you're trying to run in the face of that on top of already not really executing at a high level. And you could see it, the drives in which they started slow, well, the drives in which they got behind the sticks because they run on first down, Nick Chubb gets stopped two yards behind the line of scrimmage, or they get a penalty to put some back in the first and 20 or something like that. It happened like three or four drives in this game. Um, and all those drives ended in punts. And it got to a point to where they just – had to throw it like they just could not go back to running it because every time they did they would get behind the sticks in some way um you know the penalties are also another talking point in this game I think it's very valid I mean that defensive drive for the Bengals get their first touchdown in the game two penalties that would have ended the drive continue well two penalties that stopped drive ending um the ended the drive and all of a sudden restart the drive um yeah. for them allows them to score and get going um, you know, just mistakes you can't make when you're playing a team that's one better than you, right? At this point, you have to play better than that um, and be crisp, more crisp than that when you're playing a team that's better than you. Also, you know, when you look at the other side, yeah, these issues running the ball. Like, I know we're all going to, I know a lot of us are going to blame it on the center, right? 72 and, and put it on him, but it can't just be one guy that's responsible for what we're seeing. Like, this is a, this is a concerning trend that we're seeing from the run game. Yeah, I think the thing that's interesting is you look at some of the data in this game solely, right? Like 
I'm not talking about the week 10 through 14 stretch here, but in this one specifically, pass EPA on first downs, first and second down success rate. The pass EPA was 0.6 per play. Um, so, you know, that's 56% success rate. Early down runs minus 0.30. So you're looking at a minus 0.30 EPA, only 22% success rate when running the football. This is sort of the conflict the Browns get in. We talk all the time about how they want to put, uh, as a defense, teams forcing the ball out of an elite quarterback's hands because they feel like they can just run at will. And I think that mind trick can also work on their offense. I guess the question is here, I mean, I understand wanting to get Nick and Kareem involved, and that's your identity. It's been your identity for a while now. But should these guys be switching to this? I mean, you have Deshaun. He looked better this week. I get trying to keep the the, the care stuff set up place, you know, being very careful with him against the Texans. But in this one, it started to become indicative, though. He's doing some of the things he can handle. Going forward, they cannot have this misplaced balance on early downs because running for one, two, you know, I mean, sometimes negative, negative zero, one, two, putting yourself in second and eight and completing a five-yard throw, and then you're in third. It felt like they were in third and two all game, and they just like, I don't know about you, Quincy, but I have never had less confidence and more talent to pick up short yardage than I have all of a sudden in like the last six, seven weeks, and that is, that's a problem because it feels like, yeah, okay, we want to be this team who stays in third and short, great but I don't feel a bunch of confidence in their ability to get those first downs they were only in this game alone I know this doesn't tell you the short yardage number uh, but they were only able to go four for 15 and third down you max that out with last week's third down numbers which we know really aren't good in our trend four for third down four for 13 on third downs the week before if we keep going in reverse and look at the Tampa Bay game four uh, five for 17 I think you can smell the trend that I'm putting in place it has not been very good. Four for 11, and we'll stop at week 10 and look at this one against the Dolphins. It was five for 12. Those are a little better, those weeks 10, 11, but it's like, I don't know, man. The the issue with the short yardage run game on top of maybe a short run on first down, you're putting yourself in the situation where your second down pass is so important. So the root of my question for you is, do you think that now with Watson, they need to start up tipping? Uh, it's got to be going forward. It cannot be this continual run on first down thing because it seems to be putting them behind the sticks, man. Yeah, eventually that's just going to have to shift over um, because of the dynamics of how much he's paid and how much he's going to have to matter to this offense. I think next week is is a real test, right, for for to see where they're going to tip the scales to in the future. Because next week is an opportunity against offense. I mean, a defense that you can throw against, right? Marcus Peters has had his issues. They were able to throw against him the last time they played. Um, and that Baltimore team's not really that much different than they were. I mean, they added Roquan Smith, which changes things in the run game, but not necessarily um, when it comes to throwing the ball. So we'll see what they do next week. I think if there's a week to say, all right, let's see what he can do if we just let it rip with them. That's probably the week, right? Um, because you're going to have a lot. It's a familiar opponent. You're going to feel good about your plan going into it, uh, more so than like some of these NFC teams that they have coming up in the Commanders and the Saints where you're going to probably play it a little safer because you just don't know what you're going up against it or have as much confidence in it. So I do think if this especially continues, 
you have to make an adjustment, right? Like you can't continue to keep putting yourself behind the stakes and putting yourself in situations where statistically it is probable that you end up either behind the stakes or in like these weird third down situations. And one thing I'll point out too, there was that run of Jacoby Brissett QB sneaks where we were really good in short yardage, but outside of that run, this, this is a team that has been weirdly not great at short yardage when it on paper they should be great right even yeah. in 2020 when they had a great offensive line nick chubb at the peak of his powers could not really figure out the short yardage stuff um you know the third and one fourth and one stuff and some of that was baker mayfield just not being good at quarterback sneaks but it's been a consistent thing nick chubb right last week running into the back of his own lineman getting a safety in a clear short yardage situation where he just needs to get out of there we have had issues with short yardage some of that I think is Nick Chubb isn't the short yardage back that he looks like he should be. Um, and the same thing goes with like guys like Derrick Henry, where people assume that they, those are super good short yardage guys, but the way that they get their carries and the way that they get downhill doesn't really complement that. It's a different skill set. You're right. It's yeah. a different skill set. Yeah. And it's, it, it's, it doesn't seem like something that they're great at. Um, they're much better in those short yardage situations, like out the gun and, and empty. I get, I'm much more comfortable when they're going to throw the ball in those short situations. Even though I know it drives a segment of the fan base crazy. I think sure. it's more successful. Um, and I just like the ideal of having, you know, three options of plays that can work, um, on a passing play when you're in empty versus, you know, you can run the ball. That's it. If you don't get it, you get it. If you get it, you get it. You don't get it, you get it. I like having those options, putting the ball in the quarterback's hand in that situation. So, yeah, I think this is going to have to shift towards it because ultimately what this team, this team's success has to hinge on Deshaun Watson at the end of the day. He's the quarterback. He's going to be the highest paid. Um, he's going to be the guy that's here for the next five years pretty much. So you got to have this lean on him more. I understand they're going to be hesitant. They're going to want to kind of do the Jacoby plan. The problem with the Jacoby plan is that you only can run that plan for so many games before teams catch up to it. And it's clear that teams have caught up to that plan um, and, and are very good at taking Nick Chubb out of these games. Right Early in the year, it was almost impossible for them to do it. Now, I mean, this is the second game where Nick Chubb's had under three yards to carry for a guy who averages five. That tells you that, they're figuring stuff out there, um, especially late in the year. And maybe we're leaning on, hey, we're just going to run it and have the running game kind of carry the passing game. And that's why you need these quarterbacks to be successful in the NFL, because that's just harder to adjust to. So, I mean, they're going to have to do it at some point. It's basically my point. Hey, guys, telling you again about the fantastic offer coming up from FanDuel, America's number one sports book, which is coming to the Buckeye State at the turn of the year. They're already available. If you go in, sign up, you get $100 in free bets with an early sign-up bonus. Now, again, reminder, you cannot get this offer if you wait around and do it after the turn of the new year when, when it's a go-live date for sports betting in Ohio. You have to do it early. You get an early sign-up bonus by using the promo code OBR. Very simple. Just OBR. Get that sign-up bonus, right? Get $100 in free bets. Just have to download the FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app, safe, secure, super easy to use. I already do it for some of the shows that I do on Sundays just to look at lines and give advice. Download that app. Ohio, it's your chance to get in on the action. Join today. Again, promo code OBR. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Again, the disclaimer, 21 and older. You got to be present in Ohio. Bonuses issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1-1 of 2023. 
Unique user identity verification is required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it's a concerning trend. I mean, the Browns, if you look at where they've been the last few years compared to start to finish, weeks one through 11, second in the NFL in EPA per running back rush uh, in 2021. And then this year, um, sorry, and then the weeks 12 through 18, just last year, they fall to 21st by the end of the year. Then 2020, weeks one through 10, they had the sixth best EPA per design running back rush, weeks 11 through 18. They were 15th, so they're falling down by the end of the year. We know this year they were second in the NFL for the first nine weeks of the season in rush EPA per designed rush by a running back. Of course, again, a reminder, I'm taking quarterback run game out of this. And then this year right now, based on there's still some teams today playing, so there's more data to gather, but they're sitting 27th since week 10 in rush EPA. So you can see how this trend is going. They start the year really well and they're falling off every season by the end of the year in run game consistency. And to your point, getting under center, I know they had the one handoff to Kareem that they ended up getting a first down on in a short yardage, but you can see them searching. They're nervous about this from a play-calling perspective, right? Like Kevin brings in Jacoby last week, runs a little speed uh, a little speed fly handoff to uh, uh, Harrison Bryant. Uh, got you know worked out the defensive end was fooled because who on earth would think Harrison Bryant's going to get that handoff? So that works. Today, what do they do? They they go under center, fourth and one, and they run a play-action fake. Now, one of the options is a deep throw. Jacoby took it, didn't complete it. But you can see how after the Bills game where they failed to get two straight short yardage QB sneaks, there's just this belief that they are not going to be able to get it, and all of the other stuff isn't working. And to, and to the greater point of like, well, get up under center and run Nick. Well, here's another jarring statistic. Since week 10, running back design runs for Nick Chubb under center, negative 0.34 shotgun 0.05 he's running better from the gun so there's something broke about the way they're running under center running game and you know we've discussed this a little on your show this last week 
I've written articles about it. You know, there are, I mean, DJ reader was, I mean, all world today, they couldn't block him. They're not blocking linebackers. They're just completely failing to get to run through linebackers. I saw Logan Wilson. I saw, um, uh, who's the other linebacker, big 57 Pratt. Him. Jermaine Pratt making plenty of plays in the backfield or at the line of scrimmage. It's, it's a tough thing, man. And like, I guess they could get to the end of this season and start to have some philosophical changes about how they're going to run the ball, but it feels like the bread and butter for them, which is outside zone and then outside gun stuff from shotgun where they do pin pull. If you can take those away from the Browns right now, it feels like it feels really tough for them to run. And I didn't notice them run very many RPOs today, not to the anywhere to the degree that they ran them last week. You know what I mean? Yeah, it felt like last week they put a lot of them in there because they just weren't sure how comfortable Watson was going to be. So they just wanted to give him like, you know, it's like comfort food, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> they were just giving them the RPOs early. Um, and maybe they feel like, you know, this there's going to be a weird tug and pull with the RPOs in this offense. It's just kind of how it's going to be. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting that, like, their strength from earlier in the season, like, and it was a massive strength has become their biggest weakness at this point, right? Like their inability yeah. to get it going um, in the ways that they want to and their confidence that they will eventually be able to get it going is really hurting them because now they're putting themselves in negative yardage situations and teams are just able to get lateral with them, right? They're able to get upfield, push, and they're not really getting to the second level. Um, you know, some of that has been guys on the offensive line not just the specific guys not living up to what they have played up to previous some of it might be wear and tear like running the ball is just a very physically taxing thing to do and a reason why a lot of teams can't get away with doing it as much as fans want to do it is because this thing wears on everybody involved in the play it wears on the wide receivers it yeah. wears on your guards it wears especially your guards because they got a pool right run and the browns pull a lot of their offensive linemen like this is something that affects their ability to stay fresh for the game it is very very taxing and when you're not when you're doing it a lot and you're not having success that is demoralizing for an offense so you have to be careful with it when you're not having success going back to it because nothing makes you feel more dominated than getting ran on and nothing makes you feel more dominated as an offense than when you can't even get a run off right because you just don't feel like you're even powerful at that point so it's a massive concern i mean it's not just one or the other there's been games where kareem's been able to get a decent yard per carry clip and nick chubb was the one that was struggling this is this one was both of them right and it's yeah. kind of been like that for a while now um and again this is why you make the move for a guy like watson because you know with other quarterbacks you have to rely on that to carry you for the whole season and this is the fault of doing it because this can break down very easily and end up in a completely opposite direction than you want to. But passing offenses with good quarterbacks, those things last. Like Those yeah. things just work. And they also open things up. I mean, if you're going to be a team that isn't predicated on the run, look at what Cincinnati did, right? They got Burrow and company got up on the touchdowns early, throwing mm -hmm. the football. And then you ultimately open things up. You wear a team down. Joe Mixon, 14 for 96 by the end of the game, right? P. P Ryan, 4 of 22. Like, those are those are the formulas that the Browns would like to use, which is throw to get up, close it with the run game. But right now, they can't find themselves at the ability to get up. And that's why they're leaving themselves in some situations where defenses mm. are still jam-packing everything for the most part and making it really difficult because you know you can live in, a, in an 11 personnel gun happy system with Tyler Boyd Jamar Chase and 
you know, the likes of T Higgins, even though they didn't have two of those three today, you can still do that. And you can see why Cincinnati's sort of built their structure that way. The Browns have done the inverse, but now they've added Watson. So surrounding him with some pieces that can make that style of offense still uh, fit for what they want to be and how they adjust going forward is going to be really fascinating, right? Yeah, and, you know, in this game, it wasn't like the Bengals really had to do anything special to stop the run. They were just able to do it. And DJ Reader was able to dominate the point of attack. And when that happens, it almost becomes like it's it's shocking that he was able to get almost what, 200. He almost got 300 today, um, Watson, because it's so easy to cover at that point where you don't even feel like you got to do all the extra stuff to stop the run. And then you're in situations to where maybe there's only three wide receivers out there running a route. Um, and to your point, just also like from another just more basic standpoint is like when you throw the ball, there is so much more opportunity for the defense to make a mistake, right, to just give you a free pass. And we saw that, you know, this week, especially where they those dropbacks weren't really that successful early on in the game with Joe Burrow. I think he started the game like pretty bad, like three of 10 passing, but they were able to move the ball because the Browns are just getting caught holding some of these wide receivers, yeah. right? Like just making mistakes. It's just yeah. easier to get guys to make mistakes when they have to play and hold the and and hold their guy for what three, four seconds, especially if the guy can move a little bit, like Joe Burrow can. So it it's it just puts a lot more pressure on the defense. Um also it opens things up, as you mentioned before. And the Browns, their issue. Um, in the Stefanski era, whether this is on Kevin or on the quarterbacks that he has had so far, this has been a one-dimensional team. You know, we could say it's an identity, and it is an identity, but it's mainly been a pretty one-dimensional team where everybody knows who to key in on on offense. It's not a question. It's been Nick Chubb, right? Yeah. Um, so this is why you can't live like that. Um, now, Watson, he's supposed to be the solve for that, the answer for that, but we have to see what adjustments they are willing to make, given that this is their identity. This is how they want to win games. They have to be willing to make an adjustment, and we'll see where they where they land on that. Yeah, got to see where they land on that. Let's switch to defense real quick as we close. So, you know, I thought they played good enough to win this game early on. I think it boils back down to consistency, and there's this thing I noticed with these guys, and maybe you can agree with me, or maybe you don't. Feel free to correct me. But as the game and early portions wear on, they did a nice job. You know, the Bengals started this game, punt, 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 before they scored a touchdown late second quarter. They end up getting that second touchdown too. But at that point, the Browns had done nothing on offense either. And I feel like if they don't feel any juice from their offense, it feels like there's this element of just, I don't know, where they start making mental mistakes we weren't seeing them make and and, and some stuff just starts to leak through that we didn't see. They They seem to play with spurts of energy but they can't consistently put it together for four quarters. And we were all really frustrated about that lack of complimentary football, especially you get a touchdown to, to cut it to uh, cut the lead down to 10. You give up two chunk plays right after that. Ultimately they were able to hold them to a field goal, but it just feels like these two, these two sides can't get on the same page and play off of each other. So often at this year, it has felt like one side's clicking the other side's folding and vice versa. But today I will say, I mean, the stats aren't, you know, they're not all too fantastic, but 363 they allowed. The net rushing by the end of the game kind of gets tacked on problem, but they did hold them to 227 throwing. Boneheaded mistake on a flea flicker, which I don't know that I've ever seen a flea flicker work as well as that one since Biddy League football where the guy's that open, uh, a bit of a problem. But nonetheless, 227 through the air 
45 of which the, comes on one play. I thought they were better. The game was called really tightly for both sides. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't say that the Browns played any different than they normally do, but Jerome Boger's crew was I somehow came into this game with the fourth, fourth fewest flags thrown on the year. And boy, did they try to put themselves up the standings a little bit in the fantasy ref football stuff because they were throwing flags like crazy. And it felt like although both teams had some flags, the Browns defense let that hurt them a little bit. But I don't know, I'm kind of going on a long spiel about your opinion on how they played today. I thought they were okay, not great by any stretch, but okay enough to win if the offense had been able to sort of withstand some drives and put some touchdowns on the board. Yeah, I think that first quarter where the offense just didn't give them anything um, was, was hurtful. And I think part of what jumps into that is we don't think about it, but when the offense is out there and they're not moving the ball, well, in the first drive, they did move the ball. But when they're not moving the ball and they're going three and out or pretty close to three and out, you're throwing a defense out there with little rest. And that affects them physically. That also affects them mentally. I mean, I would imagine it would be difficult for me to continue to go out there, stay focused, and play defense when I feel like the offense is giving me nothing because I know I'm going to be frustrated about them giving you nothing, right? Um, So I think that part of that's just a human thing. I think another part of it is this doesn't seem like a particularly focused defense. Like, I think a lot of the issues with this team defensively kind of boil down to this is not a focused defense, right? We have weird problems going on with one of our top draft picks about his ability to stay active for games for whatever reason um you know and then the secondary issues have, have been there for like three years it just doesn't seem like the most focused defense in the nfl we, we know we voice our complaints about you know the defensive staff and certain people probably shouldn't return for next year but it it just seems like an overall lack of focus from this unit you know i i can't really say it's anything structural it just it's too coincidental and it's too common for it to happen like it's almost like clockwork right like the second they gave up that touchdown i knew for a fact the offense was going to score for whatever reason because like we just refuse we refuse to play complimentary football at this point with this team um and you can almost count on it right um so i don't know what it is it seems to be something mental going on there um, because they're clearly talented enough to put together some good drives, but the focus meter on them just is not particularly um, sturdy with, with this group yeah. for whatever reason. It fades. It comes and goes. It's it's extremely frustrating. I do think there's a big learning process still going on for some guys about how to live life in the NFL. And there are just also some years where things don't click. Like I think Tampa Bay is a fascinating case study for just some years things don't go your way. And I think there are some things, obviously, earlier in the season, swing games that would have changed where they're at right Mm -hmm. now, where the ball didn't bounce their way, and all of a sudden they're fighting uphill and trying to win some games here where they could have had a bit more wiggle room. That that that's sort of it. We'll close on that point right there, which is where do they go from here? They're not mathematically eliminated have to win out and the schedule's not terrible. I mean, it's certainly more than plausible that they could win out. Just a reminder for everybody. They uh, host Baltimore who seems to be now without Tyler Huntley, their backup quarterback in a very winnable game. They host a new Orleans team. That is, is certainly a team they can beat. at Washington looks a little spicy. And then they go to Pittsburgh too. So the last four are winnable to get to nine and eight. To me, that would be a really great outcome playoffs or not, because you get a lot of four game winning streak, winning six of your last 
seven at that point, right? That's a good vibe going into the offseason to springboard you. But um, I'm curious beyond just the win-loss side of it, what are you honed in on to see, to feel better about by the end of the year? Maybe feel better to like think this is going in the direction it needs to. I would imagine if they lose a bunch of these ball games, some of the goofy conversations I'm already seeing pop up will get a little more heated. But if they were to play well and win these four, and we're not talking coaches, what are you honed in on? Yeah, I'm really honed in on Watson, right, for these last four games. I I would love, I think it would make everybody feel a lot more comfortable if he had like a unobject, uh, objectively great game, right? Like three touchdowns, 200 plus yards, like really good game where you're like, okay, this is what it can be. We don't have to debate it. We've seen it. We know what it is, and it would make me feel better about him going forward, too, if he had that feeling, too, of like, okay, he had a great game. He knows he can do this. You know, it's not going to be something that builds up for him mentally where he's thinking all summer, am I still the guy that I was in 2020? Because that's how things can snowball and, and the guy can end up regressing mentally to the points where they never return. Um, so that's very important because that, that's the most important thing right now with how much he's paid um, and, and the fact that he plays quarterback, quite frankly, like more so than what he's paid. Um, everything else, like, look, I think some of the offensive line problems are just going to be there, right? Like, that's just what it is for the rest of the year. Um, I think some of the issues on the defense are what they are. I would love to see. Um, Perry on Winfrey put together a couple of good games at the end of the season so we can have some confidence in that position and at least have one guy that we feel good about coming back for next year, um, given that that whole room kind of needs a reflush. Um, so, you know, just seeing stuff out the young guys, Deshaun making that progress, playing well and building that confidence into next year. So, once that season starts, we're not talking about him still getting confidence in the system. We're talking about him building on top of what he did last year, which I think will greatly, greatly improve the Browns' chances of finally living up to the expectations that they're going to have in the offseason. Yeah, a lot of a lot of really big schematic decisions. Uh, granted, Kevin stays on as head coach or whatever. Um, schematic stuff and how they're going to approach this all moving forward will be under the microscope because they're teetering in between what they are and what they need to probably become, which I'll elaborate on at a later date, but you can see some imbalance in how they attack it, how the running uh, system works in terms of how they block it, the, how these, these linemen have been comfortable doing certain things for a while that they might not be so comfortable doing and how the uncomfortability is sort of parlaying itself into where the run game is. We'll, we'll dig into all of that. We have all 22 coming tomorrow. We'll break that down, get your comprehensive podcast up for your Tuesday morning, and then we'll have the usual slew of shows that come up by the end of the week where we try to pinpoint what happened and where the Browns are going. He's Quincy. I appreciate him so much uh, coming on this show. I have not had guests on usually for Sunday recaps, but another voice I think is paramount, and he has a great one. Quincy, remind everybody where they can find your work, man. Find me at youtube.com slash Quincy Carrier. You can use the new funky little at system at Quincy Carrier there. Best way to find me is just go on my Twitter. I have my link tree in the description that has every channel that I work on. I do Cavs stuff um, and then wider NFL stuff as well. So if that sounds interesting, you just hit my Twitter at K-W-E-N underscore C. Go to the link tree. Everything's there. Appreciate you, man. We, we, uh, we value your time a lot. Thanks again. No problem. Thanks for having me on.
Guys, check out Quincy's stuff. Make it a regular part of your football consumption, especially if you care about the Browns. You get some Cavs stuff in there as well, as well as some AFC North content. Plenty of things to find on his YouTube channel, one of the best doing it. We'll try to continue to have Quincy on as often as possible. I try to visit his channel as well. Appreciate his work and uh, thorough, uh, the nature of the, the thorough content that he puts out there. So, uh, yeah, that's a wrap for today. We'll check in tomorrow, try to dig in, like I said, and get a bit more granular where we can pinpoint where things went wrong. And I know you all are very interested in the run game failures. I am too. I'll let you know if I see some of the same patterns. Um, and if not, then I will let you know if uh, if it went sideways in some other direction. But appreciate your time. Continue to check out the OBR's Twitch website. You guys continue to check out this podcast. I appreciate you so much. Thanks again to Quincy. Thanks again for you guys for being here. Uh, we'll catch up with you on Tuesday. Have a great Monday. Go Browns. <laughs>